What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Doster, T.O. and Phantom Podcast. Yes, we are back. It is the DTF Podcast. We are coming to you live Thursday morning. It's 11.15 in the a.m. in the Eastern Time Zone, the only legitimate time zone. Uh, Thursday, April 28th. Rob Doster here. I got John Fanta. I got Terrence Oglesby. Gentlemen, it's been a while since we were able to connect. We have a lot that we need to get into, a lot that we need to discuss. But first and foremost... Can I just say, let me quote Ari Gold when I say, get the fuck out. Mark Emmert's gone. He's gone. Mark Emmert's been fired. See he's done. Bye-bye. He's gone. He's done. Was it, was it fired? Was it fired? Or was it like he's he's still collecting checks on the way out of well, the door? He needed a farewell, he needed a farewell tour. Yeah. They described tour. it in the release as mutually parted ways, which it, in other words is, is he was let go. Yeah. And yeah. he still has 14 months to be able uh, until the NCAA finds something, which, by the way, with the speed that the NCAA works, <laughs> you know, it's they're, they're probably going to have an interim before they actually hire somebody in June of 2023. It's the collegiate version of the DMV is the NCAA <laughs> like anything that can take a little too long. will. so well, now we'll see how that goes. Mark Emmert, man. Congratulations, man. He collected a lot of checks for not doing a whole lot. For, being, right, well, for well, basically being a dartboard. That's we'll what get Mark into, Emmert, we'll, he, he paid, got paid a lot of money for being a dartboard. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say, like, we'll get into Ember in a second. Let's just, how, T.O., how you doing? I know you went to the beach. Fanta, how you doing? I know that you moved. Just recap me a little bit on your lives. I haven't talked to you guys. I, it feels I like in forever. It, like, I feel like a void in my life that I haven't seen you guys every Monday morning. That's true. That's true. I, my, well, I'll start, I guess. My vacation was uh, fantastic. Went six days for the kids' spring break. Went down to uh, the Bahamas, and I got some sun, which is good, but I also took some fairly unflattering photos without a shirt on, which uh, inspired me to, jo- to join the keto movement. So I'm on day four of the – oh, just keep going. I'll wake up in the next 10 seconds, so just don't think anything about it. But no, it, some I'm not going to say much-needed time off because, I mean, guys, you, as you both know, uh, it's, it's very time-consuming, but it's hardly work. I think that's, uh, you know, I, I think that's fair to say. But it was good to spend time with my family and strictly focus on my family uh, for about a week. So that was nice. And I, I, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in a pretty good mood, uh, sugar deprived, but in pretty good mood and, and uh, already starting to twiddle my thumbs a little bit because this transfer portal stuff, it's just so nuts. I don't know how to keep up with it. I, I like how you say I, I focused, uh, spend time focusing on my family when every single night when you were in the Bahamas, you were texting me like, who should I bet on tonight? Who are we betting That's on? Right. Who we got? We got the Raptors tonight? We got the 76ers tonight? Well, that was the, that was the only that was the only time it was quiet. So like I would be I, I would go and watch the games and down in the Bahamas, like you can't like you can't get it in your room. So they force you to go to the sports book to watch the game. So I was like, well, I'll put one hundred dollars on a game or something just to make it a little more interesting. So that's basically where, I, where it was at. There you go. Fanta, how'd the move go? Well, the move went well. It went very well. Uh, credit to my better half because she made it a lot easier than I would have made it. I'm not an organized person. Shocker. I know it's really (laughs) stunning. Uh, So here's the thing. You guys know this, or maybe you don't. We talked about the, the laundry issues in college and some of those issues have followed me after college. And so, yeah, uh, I had boxes and boxes and boxes of just randomness and somehow she's come to organize it. One, because I think it needs to get organized, and two, because she's not going to live with an unorganized human being, which I totally understand. So uh, I've been trying to, you know, the, the, the do-it-at-home tasks, the vacuuming, the, the 
making sure things are put together. Um, we tried to put together a desk. I, I am not exactly Joseph the Carpenter. So I'm a little <laughs> bit better near the hardwood of a college basketball court. But uh, the move has gone well. Uh, for those who don't know, I, I also cover spring sports. So I was just on a golf course in Georgia the last 72 hours. Not too far from Terrence Oglesby. I should have booked this uh, in mind so that I could have driven to T.O.'s house and we would have done the podcast from there. Uh, but I didn't cool. put enough thought. I didn't put enough thought into it. I still want you to host us for a summer retreat down south. We'll certainly do that. We'll certainly do that. By the way, by the way, I don't know if you guys know this, but Clemson's golf course was named the number one university golf course in 2021. Mm. And uh, I'm a member over there. So if you guys want to come down and, and drink uh, a few cold ones and, and slap the ball around and lose some golf balls, we can definitely. Do How that good of a too. golfer are you, Terrence? I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm pretty athletic, so I picked it up okay. I'm about 80s to low 90s, depending on the day. Wow. Feel the so, 68 open might have to happen. I would love to that see would different, be four, big different foursomes, different pairs. I that like that be, idea. That would be great. A Feel the 68 golf tournament. Who do you think is winning that? Humble plays a lot of golf. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say hum- it's got to be Humble. That yeah, sure is hell. <laughs> it sure as hell ain't Carter Elliott. I mean, he'll dress like <laughs> Tiger, but he ain't playing like him. <laughs> no, I, my best round ever is an 82. So I, I just... I wanted to get good enough to play bogey golf. I've accomplished that. So I, I'm yeah. not one of these guys that go out and putt all the time. You know, it is what yeah, it is. I'll, sure. I'll, I'll be out there and I'll drink a lot of beers in the course. And that's about, that's about what I provide. You, you have, you guys seen that, uh, the video of the guy that says, says we're going to play a little game called whack fuck. And the guy swings the <laughs> golf club and he goes, whack fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that, that's, that's my brother. Basically my brother, uh, golfs barefooted and then, he has a weird stance when shooting his driver. So he'll lay oh. his beer down, tee up, no practice swing, swing for the fences. He from Tennessee? He is, sir. He is, but he, uh, he he's a fun one to golf with, too. He golfs barefoot. Every yeah. time you tell a story about your brother, I'm like, I, I just want to hang out with this dude. You got man. to. I just, you got I, to. I, just want, I just want to kick it with the whole Oglesby clan, man. It's, it's he just left. Wild. He just left. He's the lightest packer ever. So he, he, my, for those who don't know, my brother lives in Scandinavia, lives in Norway and he gets on the, he gets to the airport, which is about a two hour drive from where he's at. He gets to the airport in, in Oslo and he forgets all of his luggage, forgot his luggage on his porch at his house. And he said, well, to hell with it. I have my passport. I'm just going to go anywhere. So he came over with no luggage. He forgot his luggage. He's like, yeah, I went out last night. I was like, really? <laughs> I was like, really? So he came over. He Allen Iverson it. And for people who don't know, Allen Iverson wouldn't pack bags. He'd just go shopping at whatever city he was in. So he Allen Iverson it, came, stayed in our basement, and then went home. Didn't have much to, didn't have much to pack. So it kind of worked out perfect. So he's a wild boy. I've seen, he sent me pictures from the golf course where he's standing on top of the golf cart and holding out his golf club, like a, like a Spartan would hold a sword, like a statue. So like he, he, he's a wild boy. <laughs> he's a wild boy. We got to, he's, he's got to be a part of the field of 68 uh, golf tournament for sure. Right. Yeah. We'll, we'll get him. We'll get him down there. Big uh, packs. All right, we got a we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, Hunter Dickinson is back. I think uh, I don't think we've talked about that yet. I don't think we've talked about Oscar Sheway coming back. I don't think we've talked mm-hmm. about Armando Baycott or Caleb Love or R.J. Davis coming back. I know T.O. is gonna uh, gonna be happy about that. His uh, his ACC looks like Woo-hoo! it might have two of the best teams in the country next year. Um, I want to specifically pick your guys' brains on the difference now between the college game and the pro game because of the incentives that all of these big guys are going to have to come back to school. Thanks to NIL. Uh, we're going to get into all of that, but before we do, we, we, we got to talk about this Mark Amber situation because I, I think that part of the reason why college sports are in the kind of disarray that they are in right now. And they are in such a weird spot and such a transitional spot and such a, a place where nobody knows what the fuck is going on is because mm-hmm. of the utter lack of leadership at the top of the NCAA. And that falls not just on Mark Emmert, but mostly on Mark Emmert because he's the president of the organization. Uh, he, yeah. he is not just a figurehead that stands up there and takes bullets like Roger Goodell does for the NFL. Like he needs to make some decisions. There has never been a moment 
in the history of college athletics that has been as as momentous and as pivotal as what we are in right now. NIL is a thing. The transfer portal is a thing. Immediately eligible transfers are a thing. Um, you have more money coming into college athletics than we've ever seen before. We have billionaires going out for Miami University and basically just buying these players with whatever life, fitness, water, whatever, life, mm-hmm. wallet, whatever the hell you life want to call it. it. All yeah. of these NIL deals, these guys are dropping bags and bags and bags of money. We have fucking collectives with eight figures worth of dollars in there. Uh, I was just talking with a guy for, from uh, from one team that basically said all of the, the football players at that school have a base $60,000 salary out of this collective mm-hmm. that has been created. Uh, yeah. There And there's no rules in place. There are no guardrails or no rules. There's there's no one that is out here. And, and here's the thing. All right. Here's here's number one for my rank. The money that these kids are getting is not NIL money, right? We call it NIL money because you are now no. allowed to capitalize off of your name, image, and likeness, but it is a pay for play. And I, I personally, I don't give a shit. Like let, if those kids can make their money, it's it's been stacked against the players for long enough that I'm happy that these kids are able to get paid, but there are no rules in place. There's no there, there's there's nothing that has been able to determine what exactly NIL money is and what exactly you are allowed to do and you're not allowed to do to try to limit it for pay for play. And we keep calling it NIL because these kids are getting money from it, but it's not. It's collectors paying these kids to go to the school, right? It's like the John Ruiz or whatever his name is from Miami are paying these players, Nigel Pack, Norshad Omier, to, mm-hmm. to come to Miami to play basketball. They're getting $400,000 a year. It's essentially a salary. So Is that what Omier is getting to or Omier? It, it's, it's, it's up there. Um, okay. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not going to say definitively. Um, but from he's, he's making quite a bit of money too. uh, either, either way, either way. Um, it's not, this is not name image image and likeness because Mark Amber and the NCAA have not come out and actually defined anything for what it should be. Right. They've not told you what the NIL stuff is. Mark Amber is basically just sitting there saying, yeah, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm just going to sit here with my dick in my hand. I'm going to wait for Congress, try to make a decision for me. Like you, you what decision are they going to make? I don't know what Congress would say. I don't even know if there's a decision. It's illegal. They've said they've said they can't make a decision because how are they going to unless student athletes in the NCAA are forming collective bargaining? There's no way to regulate this. That there there has to be something better than what we have right now. And we couldn't have expected for them there to be something better than there is right now. We really, the NCAA, which is why, which is why you need some kind of leadership. The the situation that we're in right now, you need 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 something, you need something, not just one doofus sitting there, not doing a damn thing. He makes $2.7 million for what, what is he making that $2.7 million for that when, when, when we are at a point in college where it feels like everything is falling apart, right? Everything yep. is changing. The, the, the amount of change from what college athletics was in 2019 before the pandemic hit to what it is at this very moment has, is, is, is seismic, right? Like you probably wouldn't recognize it from 2019 to 2022. There has been so much that has changed and there has been no change in the way that this is structured, the way that we have this, um, the rules that are in place, there's been no definition of what actual NIL money is. There's been nothing. Mark Hammer has done nothing. And and honestly, like I, I've I've tried to stay away from hammering this guy too much, but like if you look at his track record, you know, how long does it take to actually prosecute these uh and investigate this stuff that came from the FBI in, in September 26, 2017? We're, we're gonna be at five years, five years removed from it, right? How badly did he butcher? all the Penn state stuff, right. The, the, with, with Sandusky and punishing that program and then revoking it a year later because he realized he fucked that up so bad. How <laughs> I think there's nothing that, that surmises what his legacy is for the NCAA. than the last time that we're going to see Mark Everett publicly stepping on a stage, uh, giving a trophy to a guy with five level one violations hanging over his head, for winning the national title and saying the Kansas city Jayhawks that right there sums yeah, up right. everything you need to know about Mark Emmert's tenure as the president. The reason why we are in a place right now where it feels like no one knows what the hell is going on. And college athletics feels like the wild, wild West is because it is, there is no leadership. And here's the other problem. He's got 14 months left before he has to be forcibly moved basically right before they tell him to get the hell out of his office. 
those the, these are the most important 14 months like that think about how much changes think about 14 months ago where we were and where we are now in college athletics think about what can happen in the next 14 months we need some kind of leadership in there someone making decisions someone to try to put some guardrails so it's not just every player is putting their name in the transfer portal to see where they're going to be end up getting a four hundred thousand dollar offer from some billionaire who decided hey you know what i saw this team play in the elite eight they were fun now i'm going to go make my money i'm going to go spend my money seeing if i can make this program be good because i have yeah. nothing else to do and i have 30 billion dollars in a board of shit. That, that's the problem you run into is because whenever you're dealing with some of these major cities like a Miami, for example, or uh, even I, I'm telling you guys, I think there's there's one sleeping giant up there in the Northeast, St. John's. Like there's money up. It's a thing when you're running into these multi billionaires, they're going to be able to just spend how they want to, and it's going to turn into basically how a European soccer is, where some of these majorly funded schools are now, but now it's going to the players. It's just been a difference of of how you can do it. Now, let me ask you guys this, and I want to ask uh, Fanta as well. Could this have been done differently if the players had developed a union they had been talking about for so long? Would it have been a little bit more manageable at that point? The answer to the question is yes. Mm. If we had collective bargaining of some sort or some sort of a standardized system that would allow for these negotiations to take place, there may be guardrails set in terms of how much and in terms of stating the reason as to how this deal came through and some of the particulars that needed to happen. But right now you have, and this is crazy to think about, but I was told last week, that there was a low major school, low major school that reached out to a player from a power conference program. The player had no interest in transferring. None. This low major reached out to him and said, we can give you $200,000 to come play for us. Now, he's not going there because you're taking the 200K to play for a program that's on ESPN+. Plus. And amounts to, at the end of the day, not just not a whole lot for that kit. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the point is, these things are happening every single second and minute right now. So here's the first thing that comes to mind with, with this. And I'm going to twist it up a little bit. And on the field of 68, we tell it like it is. The very thing that coaches are angry about and frustrated about and ranting about It's the same thing that they're waking up every day and trying to play to that system because they have to right now. Right. They have to go and get after kids. Is their job harder? Is their life harder? Absolutely it is. And I do not envy, I guess my checking account would say differently, but I really don't envy the life of a college coach with the stresses that it entails day and night right now. But do I feel bad for the coaches? Uh, No. They make a lot of money to be the leader of their respective programs. Is, but there's no answer to this. And the reason why is because the NCAA as an association has been stuck in archaic mode for a long, long time. And there needs to be structural change in what happens to the association and these, what the association is doing for their member institutions, and it needs to shift rapidly. And that's why Rob's point about this being the most critical time in college sports history, I, I have to agree, because yeah. we can't just hire. There just can't be a, a, a leader hired that changes everything. The role of Mark Emmer to begin with is not a role that's sustainable for any sort of success. That role needs to change and have actual power, like have the actual power to take out the hammer and throw it down on situations and speak out on stuff that's happening in the college sports scene. And it also has to be someone who gets the intricacies of college athletics. We talked about this last year, and I want to bring it up again. Guys, one of the problems, it's like a lot of corporations that end up going this way. One of the problems with the NCAA is that they have people in their top meeting rooms 
that have no idea what happens inside an athletic department day in and day out. It's chancellors, it's former secretaries for the United States, and it's a lot of university presidents. And it's no disrespect to those people. They made a lot of money and are powerful. And in my next life, I'd like to be them in terms of their, their wallet. But do those people know what's going on inside a training room, inside a locker room, inside a practice facility every single day? Because it's those types of things right now where the backroom deals are happening, where the phone calls are happening. Those people don't have the, the degree of a clue to then apply their decision-making to that. Call it what it is. It's pay for play. The yep. sooner that you acknowledge that it's pay for play, the sooner that you can figure out a policy that fits pay for play. Because well, I, right I now wanna, you're calling, I, I, it, you're calling I, it something that it's not. It's not just name, image, and likeness. It's not that. Real quick, real quick to you. I want to I yeah. clarify one thing on that. So when you are bringing in the transfers, right, when you are bringing in guys that are not proven at a certain school, then it is pay for play. There's no way that Nigel Pack – is worth $400,000 to my name for any kind of name, image, likeness stuff. But a guy like Hunter Dickinson coming back to school, getting a seven-figure deal, that is the kind of name, image, and likeness stuff that I think is a good thing. Oscar Sheepway getting $2 million, coming back to to Kentucky to be able to play. Reigning National Player of the Year. He has value. He's going to get deals with, like, major corporations nationally same thing with hunter dickinson like they they are the faces of college basketball and they've earned it so that's the nil stuff that makes sense the issues that i have are are with these guys that are putting their names in the portal just because they are trying to find like bill self talked about this the other day they're they're kevin mccullough yeah, they're going to the portal because they've seen these other guys get these huge deals, and they're like, wow, what am I worth on the open market? And the issue that we're running into that you need to find a way to solve, to me, the, the number one thing that you have to do is try to is, is to create an incentive to go back to school. Something like whatever you get, like the, the program that you're leaving is allowed to, to find a way to match that, right? And if they match it, then you got to stay there. If uh, you come back to school, then the school specifically is allowed to put X amount of dollars into a trust that you get when you leave the program or when you get your degree, right? Something where uh, if you've been there for one year, you can get $10,000 put in. If you come back for your second year, you can get $50,000 put in. If you come back for a third year, you can get $100,000 put in. And then as soon as you get that your degree, that money goes straight to your bank account. Something Which is exactly lines, right? which is Great. exactly what Dabo Swinney suggested like four years ago, and he absolutely got freaking butchered for it. Well, like, here's, that's here's exactly what he suggested. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. You could still make your money. Um, like you could still get whatever NIL deals you want. You could still get paid by these collectives. Like that stuff happens. But this is an incentive to stay at the university. Because what that right now, when like if you look at any other any other sport, right? You you mentioned European soccer to yo. Guys can transfer and be eligible immediately, and they can transfer these clubs and these organizations, but they sign contracts, which means that they're they they, they there is a reason keeping them there which is why you hear all of this like we will buy this player we'll purchase this player's contract they can't leave because they have three years left on their deal same thing with the nba same thing with the nfl there's there's barriers in place that create a financial disincentive to leave right if you want to get if you want to buy out of your contract you got to pay a million dollars and they'll rip up the contract whatever it is right yeah that doesn't exist in the college athletic space which is why it's become a free market so there needs to be something that is created that that forces a disincentive to leave because right now that look if i was in college right now and and i saw nigel pack get four hundred thousand dollars i'll put my name in the portal to see what i could get especially if the place that i'm at doesn't have a collective or doesn't have because Four hundred thousand dollars, four hundred thousand dollars, man. Six a lot of money. Six figures. It's a lot yeah, of money. It's a lot of money, especially and, the college and, and look, kids that don't have any, all, they don't have any expenses either. Yes, you're not paying for housing. And and the last thing I'll say, and then I'll let you make your point. Every mm-hmm. one of these college coaches that are complaining about it would do the same fucking thing if they were in college right now. If you yep. had the opportunity to make that money, you would do the same thing. And I don't want to hear otherwise. If you say that you wouldn't, I am calling you a liar. Well, here here's. Now, this is me just thinking out of the box, but I really like Fanta's point of saying, hey, let's acknowledge that it's pay for play. Because if you're able to do that, that's some parameters over how much money you're able to spend on your team. And if you have like these collectives, you change it to where they're NCAA sponsored collectives and those collectives are regulated, then you can have some issues to where the max the collective could use is right at... uh, 
you know, $5 million. That's how much you could use or $2 million. You probably don't even need $5 million, probably $2 million. That's how much a collective could use on your uh, selected roster on top of scholarships. Now if that, but you can only do that if you acknowledge the pay for play scheme. So it's, here's the thing. Is Nigel Peck worth $400,000 to some life wallet? No, he's not. I don't care what anybody says kind of money right now. If he goes on and he's a great NBA player, yada, 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 it could be. But as of right now, he averaged 18 some odd points a game at Kansas State, who finished in the bottom third of their league. And now he's going to Miami to replace Charlie Moore. It was Charlie. And he, it is what it is. But if you have a way of regulating these collectives and have the NCAA mm-hmm. and the school sponsor these collectives, that's down now they can still make their money doing commercials or whatever but the collectives i think are part of the problem you know you know what's funny about well the collectives are the problem because it, yeah, it's the collectives are that are the paying problem. the money but you know what you know what's funny about it fanta we're talking about how nigel pack is not worth four hundred thousand dollars nah. life wallet but the number of times that people have said life wallet in in reference to nigel pack not being worth four hundred thousand dollars has probably gotten them more than four hundred thousand dollars yeah. worth of publicity so you know what maybe making horrible deals is a smart way to do it in the long run i'm gonna pay yeah. three million dollars to bring I, i'm not i'm not even gonna make the joke not not gonna make the joke <laughs> not no. gonna go there okay so here's here's what and i'd like to hear the joke but but you're not going there um i think i'll, I'll, I think, I'll cut it out but i was gonna say i'm gonna pay three million dollars to bring to the field of 68 <laughs> <laughs> no keep it in keep wait, that wait, in. i didn't hear it. it my internet went out because i'm a freaking turd what is that what'd you say he's paying three million for <laughs> to join the field of 68 <laughs> uh, that's dude, amazing that dude's the absolute worst okay worst so here's the thing Dabo's idea in theory is a great idea he's yep. like in that capsule he's right and Clemson could pull that off. The infrastructure is not in place in these athletic departments to handle this. It wasn't in place before a pandemic. It sure as hell isn't in place after a pandemic. Right. right. The very reason why coaches are getting canned and why there's so much movement in college sports right now from a, a, a personnel, from a staff standpoint, whatever it may be, guys, I, I've had the opportunity to cover athletic departments closely in, in my early career. There's never been more turnover that I've seen than there has been over the last year and a half right. for a lot of different reasons. Finances are, are the main one. But the, my point is we could talk about a trust fund and that there's an incentive for a kid to stay at a school. But if you start building out those types of figures, and this is where I think we could be heading, if you start building out those types of figures, what's going to happen, in my opinion, is you're going to have football become its own thing, which it already is, basically, but really its own thing. You're going to have basketball essentially become its own thing, too, if you're doing this to this degree in hoops. What does that mean? That means that the sports that people do not watch at the college level as much, the soccers of the world, the baseballs of the world, softball, people watch them, gymnastics, but not as many people. That means that the scholarship system for those sports is either going to be greatly altered or the idea of any sort of regulation of a playing field in those sports is gone. It's gone. Just this week, the, the college baseball coaches are trying to make a policy that allows for them to not have a cap on their scholarships. They're seeing the writing on the wall. In other words, the whole reason why you have a, an athletic department is to be able to regulate your sports and be able to provide opportunities for student athletes. But if your trust funds for your major sports, if that's where your money's going to, which I get, then you're not going to be able to – the majority of schools aren't going to be able to hand out scholarships to the other sports, which means how are you fielding teams and how are you getting student-athletes and how are you functioning as a department as a whole? Because that's part of it. So the whole landscape is shifting. This goes beyond basketball. If you're going to monetize everything you'd like to monetize, 
at the end of the day, guys, we could say follow the money. But at the end of the day, if universities are getting involved and we are going to call this what it is, pay for play, there's only so much money to go around for schools that are already in debt based off of a global pandemic and the other things that are happening on their respective campuses. There's Connecticut is in millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars of debt, Rob. We read this story like every summer. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not the only one. It's a deli line of schools that are like, we, we can't afford to. Look at the UConn ticket sales. They just went up by a large sum of money. So athletic departments are having trouble as is. If we're yeah. building out more more financial structure for them to make this NIL more of a pay for play, which is what it is. And administrators are acknowledging that then there are going to be other ripple effects. And this goes back to the very point we started with. There needs to be real conversations that happen at the NCAA that make this leadership change meaningful. You've got to make it impactful. And part of the problem is that we've nothing is we've had all of these changes in the way that college athletics operates and it feels like there's been no structure put in place because there's been no leadership right there really hasn't there's been no leadership well that's that's enough about Ember. that's enough about the ncaa let's talk about actual college basketball because we did get some good news man look we can we can rant and rave about the nil and all of this stuff and and i i am a firm believer that uh once you do get some guardrails put in place once you do get some structure in terms of the rules once there is some uniformity in terms of what each state is able to do with this we're going to see and once you kind of get through these this this glut of players with COVID years and six years and, and all of that kind of stuff, we're going to find a new normal and things are going to settle out. The best part about it, the best part about this, we get Hunter Dickinson back. We get Oscar Sheway back. We get Armando Baycott back. We get Caleb Love back. We get RJ Davis back. Same way we got uh, Oshaya Baji back last year, which helped Kansas win a national title. There's a... Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of good about where we are right now. We need to figure it out. Like we we need to figure it out to make sure that it runs a little bit better. But look, college basketball is in a good place when you have all of these stars coming back. Everybody knows Hunter Dickinson. Everyone's going to know Oscar Sheepway, right? To let me ask you this: the thing that I have noticed throughout this trend is that big guys have been uh, been the guys more likely to come back. <laughs> yeah, and I had this conversation with someone the other day. It feels like at this point, the college game and the pro game has never been more different in the way that you have to operate to win. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of lot to be said there. And especially if you look at the guys coming back, like you've already mentioned, the Dickinsons of the world, the Oscar Sheboys of the world, Kofi Coburn last year. Like, here's here's the thing. The the M- flying up and down the floor right now and you have to have bodies to be able to keep up with it. These aircraft carriers like 100 Dickinson, they're going to struggle at that level. And if you're going to be fighting for uh, a rookie minimum, or if you're going to be fought, trying to get that second contract uh, when you're 23, 24, why, why not make that NIL money like Hunter Dickinson is able to do? Because he's not going to have that same kind of career. You've seen it uh, over the past uh, several seasons. Where's Luca Garza? Right? Like he's in the NBA, but he two way deal. I think. I think he's on a two way deal. Um, he, was, he was with the Pistons for a while. He made a little bit of money, yeah. but not, not a little as bit, much. but I mean, not as much as he would have made wearing a Iowa Hawkeyes jersey this past year. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, the NBA minimum, I'm wondering, uh, are they going to raise the rookie minimum in the next CBA? Because I, I think that's a point of contention too. They probably won't, but <laughs> at the same time, like you can look at some of these things, like the incentive is to come back for some of these guys and they can have mm-hmm. more success playing at the college level. Look at Adama Sunoco. You think he would do well in the NBA? Nope. Not right now. Undersized. Can't really move. I mean, I hate to say he is. And if you move him to that next level, he's going to have to guard twos, threes, and fours at the size he's at. Well, he goes to UConn. He could be really good in the Big East. Why not stay, have some success, and get your degree? And I think that's one big thing that a lot of people forget is that, hey, college degree isn't terrible. It isn't terrible. I'm lucky enough to have two of them right here. Like, a lot of people – I think are starting to overlook the value of the college degree. And if you can make a little coin too, I think that certainly helps things. But mostly because yeah. you can make coin. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'm with you on the degree part, but th- these kids are thinking of coin. Yeah, I know that. But I think the fact that we've de-emphasized the fact that how much money you make post-degree 
after everything's said and done, I think it's being wildly overlooked. Well, the problem is that people are so short. Yeah, but it's so short term thinking right now. Yeah, but the the problem with that is, CEO, the the money that you can make as an athlete is like you have a very specific and tiny window. Like the 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 way that money for professional, I mean, you know this better than anyone. Hey guys, the, you're the preaching way- to the choir. Look, I, I my my 22 no, no, you guys I, I, I want to I want to explain this to people that are listening. It's like the, yeah. when when you're an athlete, it's the opposite of what a normal human beings uh the the way that they make money would be, right? Yeah, the trajectory. The way yeah. the way the way the normal normal person makes money, they get entry level, they make entry level dollars. You kind of build up, build up, build up, then you get a big job, you get a big raise. You get another big job 10 years down the road you get another big raise by the time you're 50 60 you're making hopefully a whole bunch of money the most money you've ever made in your life and that's when you can start stacking it up get ready for your retirement we are an athlete you make all of your money at the start of your career right from 20 to 30 is like that window when you have to make everything and maximize every single cent that you can get out of your body and then when you retire you get back into like ray Godin made however many million dollars was a ga at ohio state at 29 years old right go back yeah. and get his degree i was so, a ga at tw- i was a ga at 29 yeah, it's like it's, just it's going the, back and having the to finish. opposite. It's the opposite schedule. So like, I understand these guys trying to get every dollar that they can. And I hope people that are listening like that is why that is why they're trying to maximize it, because you have this ability that is worth six figures in a lot of cases. And there's only if you have 10 years where you can make six figures off of your body and you want to eliminate one of them, well, you're eliminating 10 percent of what you can actually make. At How like, many kids are we actually talking rate? about, though? Like, that's the, my whole thing. Like, how many kids are we actually talking about? How many kids does the NCAA help? A lot. We're, we're, I, just, just not the NCAA in particular, but the schools in particular, giving these kids scholarships. Like, how many kids does that help? People forget, like, sure, there might be, guys, let's just put a number on it. Let's just put a number on it when it comes to college basketball. 50 players. 50. Maximum. The rest of the kids get scholarships. And let's not de-emphasize the value of the scholarships. A college graduate, by the time they retire, on average, makes over a million more dollars than a non-college graduate. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about money? There's there's some money. There's something right. to be said there. Like, let's not de-emphasize well, that. I'm, I'm I think not, that's I'm important. Not saying you know, have, because I'm not saying you don't have to. I'm not saying but, don't get a degree. I'm just saying. Uh, hold like, on, you, Rob. You hold on, Rob. Hold, hold, but here's the thing, like. I de-emphasize my degree. I didn't make millions of dollars overseas. I made pretty. I, I made a fair enough living. Six figures, sure. But like, I, I de-emphasize the value of the piece of paper, and I hate it. Now, I also understand like you can make some money. My my number twenty two jersey. You guys aren't going to believe this. It was the second highest selling jersey in the state of South Carolina. My sophomore year, going into my sophomore year after my freshman year, I believe you know that. You know who's number one? CJ Spiller. I was only behind CJ Spiller in the entire state of South Carolina. That's not How a lot. So like, I could have made some legitimate coin. Now that would have also got me to state probably too, which is probably a good thing. Like it would have been a good thing for me because like I would have finished a degree the first time I wouldn't have had to slave away and freaking <laughs> slave away is the wrong word, but, but like have to work my butt off and be a practice player at 30 years old. So what like, you're saying I, is, is that we should put field of 68 on a Oglesby Jersey today and yeah. start selling those online <laughs> as throwbacks you will sell tens and tens of those you will sell tens and tens of those and you know who's going to buy probably half of them is my mother (laughs) (laughs) but at once upon a upon a time now not so much all right so let's talk about the guys that actually came back uh sorry we're gonna get out of the nil stuff can we we need to talk hunter Hunter dickinson all american right oscar shiway all american right yeah. But I, I think I think the biggest winner so far, it's, I mean, it's got to be North Carolina. Got Not it. only did they get all these four guys back, Gigi, uh, what's um, Gigi Jackson? Gigi Jackson just committed there. Like it, it, this, this run to the Final Four has completely changed what the outlook is with Hubert Davis in this program. Correct. Mm-hmm. So let me ask yeah, you correct. This. Do you have North Carolina number one to you heading into next season? They got to be close. The only thing is, I'm wondering about. We felt the exact same way about UCLA and Peyton Watson coming in. Like, that's kind of my only apprehension there. Uh, but Gigi's not going to about him reclassing, I think, this past season. Uh, watching some people like Imani Bates made him back off that idea to where he's not going to reclass up, but they're still going to be really good. Now, who are they going to have replacing? Huge issue. But those other four, to, to get four out of your top five or four out of your five starters back, 
I mean, that's pretty good. Hubert, man, it, the, the culture's there. I, I, I thought there was no way Caleb Love was going to come back. He, he looked so disinterested at times last season. I thought there's no way he's going to come back. Final four run will change some things. It'll change some things. I automatically think about in in the current space that we're in. I think about what Jalen Washington and Seth Trimble are thinking coming into to North Carolina because when it's a great thing when you have these guys come back. Obviously, there's only so many minutes that are on the floor. What exactly they'll add, what they'll do for this program coming in. Here's the thing, though. To me, you can both say that Carolina is giving you the UCLA vibes. But you also have to acknowledge how difficult it is to make a repeat Final Four national championship game appearance. It's really hard. It's really hard. There were periods where we thought Baylor could win it all. They got injured. You, You can't control that type of thing. And I actually think it's interesting because on my bracket, wrong, I had UCLA making an Elite Eight run. I think in in another bracket, I thought that they could potentially go to the Final Four. Who'd they bow out to? Well, they they bowed out to Carolina. The point is, you never know who you're running into in those three weeks in March. So can North Carolina go back to a, a Final Four and make the national championship game? Hell yeah, they can. And that's going to be the expectation heading into this year. And they could be the number one team in the country. Does that mean they will? I would go to my local Bet Rivers book, and if there were a prop on this, I would say no, because it is that hard. And psychologically, guys, they took on this role of being the hunter. This is going to be so different for them. They're not sneaking up on anybody in this upcoming season and in the NCAA tournament. And their level of publicity... Carolina always gets a lot of buzz. It's going to be even more so, especially in the first season without K, uh, in a time for college basketball where the people that are running TV uh, production units are going to be looking for any storylines. Carolina is going to lead in the buzz category heading into next season. Absolutely. So for me, uh, I always look at things from a, from a standpoint of it's really hard to duplicate success in the sport of college basketball. Carolina's had a lot of success over a long period of time. But do I think that this team is going to stay at the same level? I don't know about that because I I thought that a a bit of their success was lightning in a bottle that worked out for them, and they made it all the way to the national championship. They have talent, but talent doesn't always end up being the deciding factor come March. So it's hard to define what's going to happen in March Madness when – you don't know what that team's going to be going through heading into that NCAA tournament. Still going to love the pieces. Still going to love the pieces. You and can I think love Seth the pieces. Yeah, Seth Tremble is uh, – I, I don't know. You, we saw him last year at Peach Jam, Rob, but like elite quickness. He's not, he's not R.J. Davis yet, but he's a pretty good player. And both their freshmen coming in are very, very talented. They haven't added anybody in the portal, Correct. I don't, not yet. No. Yeah. That's impossible to keep up with though. Props to uh, Brazello for keeping up that list. I, I literally like, have it open right now. Lord. So I can, so I can uh, find like, know exactly what I'm looking at. It's so it's, it's, it's a nightmare. Um, Disaster. I, yeah. I, I do think that replacing Brady Manic is going to be something that's a little bit more difficult Big than one. people realize that mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons, one, the shooting, that's the reason why they were able to do what they wanted to do is because they had a guy that was six ten. Uh, that was pretty pretty tough, right? Mm-hmm. Not a great defender, but a good enough defender um, that could space the floor. Uh, and not having that guy next year, I think, is going to be something that they need to figure out. So uh, maybe it's Puff Johnson. Maybe he's the answer. Um, maybe it's Kerwin Walton. I don't know. I don't know anything about Jalen Washington. Do you know anything about him, T.O.? Big body, more of a traditional big than he is. Somebody who can step out, but that's not really what he does. Maybe they'll transform him into that once it gets to campus but as as of right now no yeah so i set trimble will be good um and i think that it will be uh helpful for him where he plays a little bit behind caleb love and rj davis and he doesn't get thrown directly into the mix right he'll have time to be a 15 minute uh, a game guy coming off the bench and then next year step into a starting role so i think that will uh be a good thing for him as far as like the ucla thing like I, they were really good this year right 
They were a yes. really good team this year. They finished second in the Pac-12 despite dealing with a whole bunch of COVID issues, despite mm-hmm. having a stretch where uh, they were they were shut down for like a month, right? They had a two-week stretch where they didn't have fans in their arenas. Like it was, they had such a weird basketball season and a bunch of injuries. Like Jaime Hawkins was never really healthy. Johnny Juzang was dealing with some of his own stuff. So um, to end up being a four seed with all of that hanging over their head, it's not a bad thing. It's not, no. that, that's, that is not, a, that's not the worst result. And no, we're also talking a about bit a of four. Yeah. You gotta be, you gotta be lucky too. Sorry. Go be ahead. Lucky Fanta. a little bit. Kansas got lucky along their way to a national championship. And there were a couple of times where if a possession went one way or another, things might've crashed and burned for Kansas. Mm-hmm. Facts mm-hmm. are facts. So, so look, th- this is, this, it's always fluid. It's always flu. Is Carolina going to be good? You bet they are. They're, that team's going to be loaded up. Replacing Manic is hard, but they have enough coming back. And Baycott's just a beast that if they get any semblance of backcourt rhythm, they're going to win a lot of games. A yeah, lot I mean, of games. Yeah, I just, I, I, I still think it's fascinating how, um, how the NIL money is. I, I just think it's really going to change what college basketball is compared to the NBA. I, I think it's only going to make the difference between the games more drastic and i saw so jj's gonna Gretic focus was, more on the bigs kind of yeah, like you know what I, I have a question i have a question for both of you is there any program and coaching situation with more pressure on them in college hoops heading into next season than the kentucky wildcats uh, i mean john shire uh, yeah, I'm telling you, know, but he's going to be it, given a certain yeah. amount of leash. Yeah. Like Shire's going to be given a certain amount of leash because it being his first year, he does have a lot of talent. But like Calipari, they've got a they, they need to make a run next year in the tournament. In, in my honest, they, or, I I think that they will. I, I feel yeah, I, feel I think okay, they but then you, but that when you say that they will, they then they have to. Yeah. yeah, I I think I think this season, um, was a little bit more difficult than people give them credit for. Like, Kellen Grady was banged up at the end of the year. Severe Wheeler had one, maybe two concussions. Uh, Ty Ty Washington's ankle was never healthy, and he was dealing with some off-the-court stuff by the end of the season. And they they reached a point where uh, they were not the same team that they were. And once you take the guards away from that group, then it's kind of like if you're relying on Oscar Shibway, who, like, look, he deserved National Player of the Year. That dude is a role player. He is the best role player in college basketball, but his job was – go out there and get a bunch of rebounds. You don't yeah. run stuff for Oscar Sheway, right? And so you got to the point where they they didn't have the guys they needed to score. They couldn't get stops, and they they ran into a team who uh, who hit shots on the right day. Next year, they got um, Kaysan Wallace coming in, who's a stud. Uh, Antonio Reeves transferred in from Illinois State um, with Severe six, Wheeler six, back. Quick. CJ, yeah, CJ Frederick back. They got shooters. Uh, Damian Collins, Chris Livingston, I think, are going to be able to kind of fill that, uh, that four role um, with – I'm assuming one of Jacob Toppin or Keon Brooks is going to be back again next season. So I, I think the pieces are there. I, I would love to see them get um, upgrade at the point guard spot over severe Wheeler. It doesn't look like that's going to be something that actually happens. I think they're going to roll into a situation where uh, your backcourt is basically Wheeler Reeves and case on Wallace, and you'll kind of figure it out from there. But I think they're going to be really good, man. I think they're going to be really good. Hmm. I'm intrigued to see what Michigan is heading into next season because I thought that that team really struggled offensively at times. And there's still a question mark as to what they're going to be on the offensive end of the floor. Make no mistake about it. Hunter Dickinson, when he asserted himself and down the stretch in the season for Michigan, he really did. When he asserted himself and, and just took on that role of saying, I'm going to be that dude. It's, it changes everything for Michigan. It changes everything in the landscape of the Big Ten. I didn't feel that rhythm early in the season. So for me, for, for Michigan, I'm intrigued to see who they are, guys, because I still put a question mark next to that backcourt. Right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So um, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens. With, but, but I do love the fact that we get these guys back. Uh, and I love the fact that, and, and so then there you go. We started this talking about NIL and the different problems with it. There still is a lot of good, and it still was something that had to to happen, Look, and we yeah, wanted but- it to happen. Nobody's nobody's against it. Anybody who is is silly and stupid. Uh, but but there's got to be 
uh, a, a better way to exactly go about their, there. Their there day has day. to be some kind of structure, and we can we can put the ball in it, and we can wrap it up with this. There has to be some kind of structure in place to be able to make this work at a level that uh, that it is not currently working right now, um, because it's just it, it's too crazy. And and at the end of the day, I, I'm all for player movement and player empowerment and player rights and all that, uh, but the 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 long-term future of the game will be better when you can kind of get some more consistency and stability with the rosters where these players are not incentivized to put their name in the portal just because they can go find more money elsewhere. Um, find ways to get them paid and allow them to, to maximize the money that they get coming into their pockets while also going back to the school that you just played for because that level of consistency and the relationship that you get with a guy um, – as a fan watching someone develop two, three, four years in your program, I think is a good thing for college athletics. That's how you get people to connect. That's how you get people invested emotionally into those programs. And when you're invested emotionally, you're going to be invested financially and you're going to watch and you're going to pay attention. And that is good for everybody involved. So I think we could put a ball on it with that. Uh, listen, <laughs> this has been fun. We'll be back again, maybe next week, maybe the week after. I don't know. It's all going to depend on when uh, when T.O. over here is, uh, you know, when he's making his trips to he's going to Turkey, Turks and Caicos next yeah. week. He's going to I'm Fiji done for a little while. I'm going back. to Sweden for the month of June. We're going to have to do we're going to have to do shows when I'm in Sweden. Yeah, we'll, oh I mean, we'll figure it out. We'll we'll make it work to you. We'll hey, I got I had to get my I had to get my wife is is born and all her family's there. We haven't been there in three years because of the pandemic. Uh, it's time to go. So we, we to need go. to go. So we're going to go for a little time there so i I can still do uh my work from over there so it'll be good perfect all right guys this has been fun remember subscribe rate review like this video if you're watching it on youtube do all of that stuff that makes us happy as podcasters it really does help the channel it helps our networks and it helps more people find this content so for john fanta for terrence oglesby my name is rob doster see you again next week